and welcome to the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. This is episode 127. Somehow I missed saying that at the very beginning. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate <laughs> professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana. We're going to talk about, read about, write about, amongst other things, video games, video games, and video games. So we are joined tonight. Uh, by a wonderful guest who is going to talk to us about many interesting things having to do with neuropsychology, neurodiversity, and games, amongst other things. Go figure. Brains. 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 Brains are good. Um, and that guest tonight is a Dr. Deborah Buddy. And, of course, other than that, we have the wonderful, brilliant, uh, and now finished with her first year of her PhD program. <laughs> Celebration. Yay. I wrote a lot of papers very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so, tired now. You'll stay tired. Just get used to it. <laughs> I know. You, you'll, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll jump in and do some quick introductions and have some fun talking about some stuff. Um, including what are we playing, you know, what are we reading and what we're drinking, all important things. So as I said in our in our really, really brief intro, uh, Deborah is a neuropsychologist um, as well as being the associate editor of Cerebellum and Ataxias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ataxias. I was like, I know. And associate talk. editor of Cerebellum and Ataxias. Nobody cares about the Cerebellum. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I hear they're useful, you know. The, oh, the, they're so very useful. If only people knew how useful, right? <laughs> the only the only people who don't who realize how useful they are are people who don't have them, um, who, <laughs> or who are damaged severely. Um, so, but in addition to these wonderful things, uh, Deborah's also a podcaster at NeuroCurious. Uh, NorCurious.org is where you find those podcasts. I, I've actually I started cheating because I was like, oh, I gotta go check this out, right? Because I'm always scoping out other people's podcasts. And I'm like, have- oh, this is so cool. She even talks about <laughs> games on this podcast. Yeah, I talk about games a lot. People get tired of it, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. But um, Deborah is especially interested in neurodiversity issues and uh, the inter- and an intersectional approach to neural development. You know, intersectionality is a good thing. We're all about intersectionality around here. But mm-hmm. Deborah, is there anything else you want to tell us about yourself? Um, I'm old, so welcome to the club. <laughs> I'm, I'm old, so uh, part of that is is that I've done a lot of different things. So this is I don't know my third career maybe. Um, I started out as I was going to be a poet, and I uh, I was a world literature major at UCLA, studied with Steven Yenser, who's amazing, shout out to him, um, and then went into publishing, so I was a garden editor after that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for Home Magazine in the 80s, shout out to Home Magazine in the 80s, and then decided, oh, I'm a terrible employee, I should not have a job. I don't have a poker face. I can't do politics. Um, I originally was going to go into academia, but then that whole not having a poker face thing was a problem. So then I went back and got a clinical degree in psychology um, and was interested in psychoanalysis at that time, which has some very interesting component 
benefits to it, but also I had a, a real problem with what I found to be uh, kind of racist, homophobic, kind of colonialist attitudes within psychoanalysis, and that troubled me. And then I discovered neuroscience and ended up going and getting a both a PhD in psychology and then additional training in neuropsychology and sort of kind of interweaving all of that stuff together, which has been very fun for me. I'm easily bored, so I like to be able to continue to move forward and learn new things. And the thing about neuroscience is that it's always changing. There's, it's Every day is a new thing. I mean, literally between now and five years ago, I look at some of the things we thought then and think, oh, you know, we were – we were like barely above trepanning at that point. So constantly new things to learn. If you're easily bored, I highly recommend anything having to do with neuroscience. Cool. Don't do that. I can't <laughs> get over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did multiple times, man. It's it's fun. That's you what I was you talking. I was like, you are among your people here. And Alicia Carabinas, who are you, darling? Tired. Uh, <laughs> I am I'm going to be a second-year PhD student at Purdue University uh, where I study RecComp, which for me translates to digital communities and game studies. And uh, I lately have been doing lots and lots of exciting, cool, and interesting research that I'm not going to tell you about. Bam. How about that? Wow. Wow. How rude. And I was just telling my stepdaughter how, oh, you have to you have to listen to these ladies because they're super awesome and you might be interested in the kind of stuff they're doing for graduate school. We did good stuff. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So we need we need funding. We need funding. Oh, I specifically need funding. Yeah. So anybody's listening who just happens to be sitting on like a million dollars, please God. Funding is good. Jesus. <laughs> That's who we should I start am. A, like a, a we should start like a programmatic lotto pool. <laughs> yeah. Except yeah. if I win, I'm just gonna hit it. I'm not giving anybody <laughs> anything. I'm just gonna be like, see ya. Um, kidding. I'm kidding. Wow, That's not cool. <laughs> so rude. That would be difficult because I I'm, I am so. Not, I'm not anti lottery. But it's like, I'm like, why don't I just set my dollar on fire? Why don't I just right. do that? I mean, that <laughs> no, whole I play that would be more exciting because fire is pretty. That's true. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't disagree with that. I'm going to yeah. say this because my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. She will call me when totals hit certain amounts or, or text me, and she'll be like, you have to go buy a lottery ticket. Now it's this much. I'm like, I don't have to do a damn thing, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> But she's serious. She is not kidding. Yeah. You have to go. You go get that Powerball ticket. I'm like, Mom. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I would rather buy a six pack of beer. Well, I, I, you're you're more likely to get something out of that. Right. <laughs> exactly. At least the beers, six of them. So. <laughs> six of them more. Once again, setting that dollar on fire. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get started with our usual what you're playing, what you're reading, and what you're drinking. Those are all very exciting, interesting, and important things. Indeed. Uh, and as Deborah is our guest, Deborah, what you been playing lately? <sighs> okay, so um, 
I did a little Overwatch badly. I got <laughs> into the beta. I stunk it up. So I jumped out and started a seasonal Diablo character. <laughs> Um, but Overwatch is a really fun game. I'm very much looking forward to it coming out. Um, Me too. Uh, and then I just found out today that I was added to the uh, WoW Legion beta, which wow. Uh, so I guess I'll play that. I've been I've been away from the World of Warcraft world for a while, so but I'm gonna have to check that out because the Demon Hunters look pretty cool. Um, but mostly what I've been playing is um, Sailor Moon Drops, which um, Apple Cider, who you had on recently, referred to mm-hmm. as the as the Dark Souls of Match 3 games. <laughs> yeah. Which I appreciate. Um, so I, I, I am kind of a sucker for Match 3 games, so I've been playing a lot of Sailor Moon Drops when I'm not playing other stuff. Also, yeah. every once in a while I go back to playing... Um, Witcher 3, I have so many issues with representation in Witcher 3, but damn, it's beautiful. It is such a beautiful game. So, I just want to say, I challenge any motherfucker out there to say that they are not a sucker for Match 3 games, because I think deep down, uh-huh. all of us really like Match 3 games. We How always you have games. We always will. Mm-hmm. You may like different kinds, you may want different trappings, but mm-hmm. every one of us. Exactly. And I want different trappings on different platforms. Right. Absolutely. Like I, I like the ones that have like the RPG match match um match three to fight shit on the yeah. consoles. Mm-hmm. But just like the old fashioned Candy Crush ish yeah. um, ones on my phone, because I'm playing. What's the one I'm playing on my phone? I was looking because I was like, oh, I got lives, and I left my phone in the other room. Toy Blast is the one Ooh, I'm playing on my phone right I now. I don't know about that one yet. Fun. It's pretty fun. So apparently, Deborah, I don't know if you're on Facebook. We need to be Facebook friends. You know, here's the deal. Facebook Uh is the devil. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is true. And I'm not on Facebook because it's the devil. And at this point, if I joined Facebook, anybody I know, you know, who knows me, and I am, you know, you know, uh, the amount of shit I would take for joining <laughs> Facebook, I'm not prepared to deal with. So, see, so this is what on, you, you know, you would be the one person who could convince me to get on Facebook, but uh-huh. hell no. I was gonna say this is what you should do: is you should start a Facebook account under a fake name solely for the purpose of um, of friending people in. Uh, mobile games. You're evil. I mean, I knew this before. <laughs> but I'm just saying. I just want everybody to know. Sam, I'm trying to bring everybody over to the dark side. I know. I, I need people to send me lives in these games. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but Sailor Moon drops. You know, you don't have to be on Facebook to friend people. I'm just saying. You can. You can. Just you can just friend people. See, I didn't even and get know. lives. And is is that on iOS too? Mm-hmm. Okay, you got me. It's so oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And, and Actually, I'll, do you if you listen to Match Three podcast, Gita Jackson was talking not that long ago mm-hmm. about Sailor Moon Drops and giving advice to people about how to play it. So I do listen to Match Three sometimes. 
So you can, yeah, you could go catch up with that one and get her tips. Making an out. Okay. Is that all you're playing? I'm sorry. I, I Is that all I'm playing? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm downloading the the Legion beta, so I'll probably try a Demon Hunter just to see what it's like, and then we'll go from there. Okay, sounds good. I, you know what? I, in terms of WoW, was in the the original vanilla WoW. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played WoW probably kind of nonstop through the first one or two expansions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would drop out and, and I would come back for like two or three months after yeah. every expansion dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be the first, this is the first expansion that I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then, yes, Demon Hunters. And I was I like, know. really? Really, gotta do a few months. <laughs> it's just, I'm gonna, just I'm gonna come out on record and say no. <laughs> You're a stronger person, <laughs> but you have your history with WoW too, Carabinus. Listen, this was my history with WoW. I played a little bit of WoW because at the time everybody I knew was playing WoW, and they would not fucking leave me alone. Right, I mean peer pressure, you know. Um, and so I played for a little while, but I found it abominable and I will never go back unless I just don't have anything else to fucking play ever which is not going to happen oh that's so not good exactly that's not going to happen I, I, mean, I will say I did enjoy um, I enjoy running around specifically like adventure with people I know and stuff yeah. that's fun and I, I miss that experience me too that's I'm the thing I miss the most yeah so I'm okay yeah I mean the whole not having time thing is it's, it's a huge time investment. It's a huge and I don't. I just investment. don't have that. I used to raid in WoW, and and yeah. it was fun. It was a really fun way to spend time with people. But I just I don't have time. I don't have time anymore. Sadly. Yeah. I mean, when I was like really hardcore into it, it was before it was before P was born. Mm-hmm. So you know. I could sit in front of my computer for two, three, four hours at a time and not have to worry about grabbing snacks or right. checking boo-boos or, you know. Right. It's like just, now, people right. would hate me. It's, yeah, it's just not it's not workable. But Mm-mm. that's just how it is. Sigh. Growing up. I know. Sadness. Tears and sadness. All right. Alicia, what about you? What do you plan, darling? I also played a little bit of the Overwatch beta, and I don't know. I'm I'm just a hater. I, I thought it was okay. You are a hater of all. You well, are a hater. You know, I mean, I'm talk- terrible at first-person shooter games, so I just assume that I'm going to suck. So that's the attitude I go in with. Well, here was the thing. I Skyped last week with a couple of uh, high school classes uh, in Arizona because ta- it's like their career week. Mm-hmm. They want to talk to me um, about PhD stuff. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> Do why? Else. Why? Because <laughs> I'm tired. Um, but one of the things they always ask me when I do these things is if I play Call of Duty, and I'm like, you know what? No, because mm. they always want to know why. So this year I, I spun them a different story. Usually I'm just like, I find it boring. But this year I wanted to explain. Here's what I said. So when I was first like really coming up and becoming like a serious gamer, um, 
we were moving from like the GoldenEye era when GoldenEye was the right. game. My kids and still play that. It's it's a great game. Mm-hmm. And then we entered the Halo era. So for and then there was Gears of War. So like for a good three year stretch, all we played were first person shooters, man. Yeah. And we yeah. would cluster around a television and play, and then they introduced online play, and we were like, oh, shit, now we can play all the time with everybody. Right. Um, and so now you put me in front of a game where my purpose is to just run around and shoot stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't anymore. I'm so bored. Yeah. Yep. I have shot all the shit that I will ever need to shoot <laughs> unless there's some <laughs> other objective besides just running around and shooting shit. You know, that kind of makes sense. Be- you, you know were- why? Because you uh, – because. Everybody talks about how great GoldenEye, because you're talking about GoldenEye on a 64, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about how great, like, GoldenEye and all these early shooters were, but early shooters were so shaky and the cameras were so bad. I have, like, I get really, really bad motion sickness. Mm-hmm. They made me nauseous. So I couldn't play shooters until shooters got good. Yeah, like mm-hmm. mechanically good. So it ju- I just got to the point in the last, say, 10 years mm-hmm. that I can play shooters without tossing my fucking cookies. I was at a conference um, with Skip Rizzo recently, and he brought he brought samples of some uh, VR technology with him to Ooh. show around to people. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was like, Skip, it's going to make me sick. I can't. He handed it to me. I was like, yep, I'm sick. Here you go. Took it off. I just, I can't. I know that VR has cool applications, and we'll get into some of the areas that it has cool applications in, but I can't do it. But it So here's sick. the problem. We've talked about this before, like at NYMG, right? We've talked about this before. The problem with the at least first generation, I haven't played around with the second generation stuff yet. But the problem with the first generation VR stuff was that during development and during testing, it was all men. Mm -hmm. And because men and women process the the things that they need to process for virtual reality differently. And everything else. It was and everything else. Yes, it was fine for men, but it made all the women sick. Yep. Well, this is also important in terms of the research that's being done on PTSD using virtual reality for PTSD treatment, Um, especially as more women are actively taking part in um, going in with military stuff. This stuff matters. Yeah. So. And I feel like you could make a list of the things with games in particular. A mm-hmm. long list of all the things that are tested on men only. Mm-hmm. And not women. From the early Xbox controllers and the Dreamcast controller, which were so big oh, that I gosh. literally could not handle them. Yeah. Uh, to yep. games like, you know, my, my pet peeve game, Dying Light, which put the damn jump button on the right bumper where it's not comfortable unless you have yep. big hands. Right. Like, Stupid shit like that just makes me so angry. (laughs) I'm going to bite my tongue before I go on like a thing. Well, I'm not going to, you know, I mean, God knows I like to argue, but um, I'm not going to argue that one. Yeah, it's true. And see, and it's, it's, it's especially true, I mean, yeah, because Alicia, your hands are, your, are smaller than mine. I have huge hands. And, <laughs> and I had problems with those damn controllers. So, 
Anyway. Okay, at least what else you playing, darling? So, besides that, um, you know, we had the marathon. So, mm-hmm. for the marathon, I played some State of Decay. Uh, I played some Destiny. And then after the marathon, I went over to Ashley's house and we played some State of Decay, t- State of Decay together. <laughs> and uh, Sam threatened to fail us on our final papers if we got. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that was really no pressure, though. Um, <laughs> and then Ashley's still like learning that game. So I was like freaking out because I'm not trying to fail my classes. <laughs> Uh, so there were these projects moments. are the worst. Mm-mm, the okay, worst. No, don't don't <laughs> go in there. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, and uh, man, the the big thing though that I've been just pumping time into. Uh, Sam and I had this discussion about what we consider mindless gaming, and this one for me is I've been playing the shit out of Crusader Kings too. Like I just you know, sit here at my computer so and I'm like, many great things about that game. I have never played it, oh, it's, it's and really, I'm kind of afraid to play it actually because I just. I'm afraid I'll be sucked into it. You know, here, here's the thing. It's it's good, except I can't really put my finger on what about it is good because this is how a play session goes. Let me break it down for you real fast. <laughs> so you choose your ruler, whatever. Real you're fast. Like, uh, last dude. Um, you get married. You wait to have babies, and you wait to get enough stuff so you can take over some places. So there's a lot of like, I'm gonna sit here. Mm. Mhm. And I'm waiting. Is she pregnant yet? No. Okay. Oh dear. Yeah, baby yet? No. Can I take over? Nope. Mm-mm. Can I? Nope. Okay, so I'm gonna wait. So I know I've like I've got 28 hours of playtime in like the past month or so, and I know that a good like 26 of those hours were me sitting here, or like checking my phone or doing stuff, and then like two hours was me actually like doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait. Didn't there's a new game that's out by them? Yes, uh, Stellaris. I think Stellaris. We'll keep talking yes. about that. I mean, honestly, like I. I would listen to Austin Walker read from the phone book because I think he's so delightful to listen to. Um, so a bunch of people have been talking about Stellaris. Have you guys played it? I haven't. No, I have not. The reviews that I read didn't make it. Made it sound like the the actual gameplay was like even more of a slog than Crusader Kings. And mm-hmm. I have one slog game. I don't need another one. Right. But I really liked, you know, people were up in arms because uh, Roman Kaiser gave them a bad review. Not mm-hmm. even a bad review, it was like a six, you know, but that's bad in contemporary video game things. The statement they released was really great. Did you guys see it? Mm-mm. No. They were like, okay, listen, I understand that you guys are all pissed off and you want to, like, crucify Roman Kaiser, but you know what? Sometimes bad reviews happen because people have opinions and maybe you should settle down. Okay. Nice. It I'm, was I'm great. Good. I'm good with that. That's good. So I kind of want to send them some money just for that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I do. I, I am getting. I'm, I'm telling you, while while we're talking games and stuff, I'm gonna blow thirty dollars on Steam in the next couple of weeks because I, I need some new things to play. So if people want to send me recommendations, I have thirty bucks. That's all I can mm-hmm. I can spare. Send me some goes, recommendations. You know, I'm just saying it goes further on mobile games. Well, sort of. Depending. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it depends. <laughs> Because, you know, I, I figured out last night by mistake that on the mobile game that I'm currently playing, I was like, when did I put my credit card back in uh, <laughs> uh, I took this out for a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm bad. Very bad. Um, oh, but in terms of mindless games, I, I see, I, right now I'm really into Stardew Valley. 
my son, my youngest son has been playing that a fair amount. Mm -hmm. I haven't played it because I am very impatient and so I watch him play it and then do other stuff. And I know if I play it, I'll just be like, why can't I have the farm I want now? <laughs> yeah. so. Yep, because you can't. Yep. Nope. <laughs> you have to do all this other stuff, and it would drive Alicia crazy because there's lots of, like, fetch questy kind of stuff that oh, you have to do mm, in that. order to expand yeah. your farm and get yeah. new stuff and, like, fix your barn so you can have animals and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate. Like, I really appreciate other people's experiences of it. I'm one of those people who can deeply appreciate other people's experiences and learn from them, and then be like, "No fucking way, am I going to do this?" I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, but it's nope. got dungeon crawling aspects to it too. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, I love that. But I like the dungeon crawling. Okay, so here's the thing: it's 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 got it's three parts, right? It's dungeon crawly over here. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, Farming sim right here, mm. and then over here it's dating sim. Those are all good things individually. So what I do is I totally and completely ignore the dating sim, <laughs> and I just farm and dungeon crawl. All right. And and it, it's it's a game that's easily compartmentalizable like that, and that's it doesn't good. affect everything else. So I'm happy with it. That works. All right. I'll just keep watching my son play it because <laughs> I have so little time to play any games that I have to still figure out when I have time to play. I keep going it's back and playing. I keep playing. I, I'm one of those people, when I was a kid, I would read the same books over and over at times just because I loved seeing new things in them. And I like playing. Uh, I, I particularly like RPGs. So I will play RPGs over and over again and pull out different things in the story because I love the narrative piece and finding a little detail. I mean, I was, I was a literature major. That was my beginning. So mm -hmm. I am a sucker for that. Yeah, I like RPGs too. Mm -hmm. Okay, anything else, Alicia Carabines? No, I went through it. Okay. What about you? So what about me? Um, so the uh, the mobile game I'm playing most and sinking and and actually started sinking money into um, by mistake, uh, <laughs> by mistake in, in that by I mistake. forgot. I mean I forgot to take my credit card on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> Is um, sunken secrets? I'm gonna have to check this out. Oh, it's it's fun because it's like. Um, Farmville with castles and magic, so kind of mini <gasps> magicy. Yeah, oh, oh, really yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, it's Can't really your lady. Yeah, I, I know I'm horrible. <laughs> um, so I've been playing a whole lot of that. Um, mm -hmm. Stardew Valley, like I said, um, we when we did the marathon, I played. Um, I restarted my playthrough of Quantum Break just because I figured if I had to sit and play four whole hours, that's if any that when people were watching, they might want to see me play from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I restarted my playthrough of Quantum Break, which is really fun. But then, of course, like I've said before, you spend a whole lot of time watching the game because right. there are these these video. Have you played it? No, and the video I'm interstitials are the video video interstitials are long. Like mm -hmm. there was one 
after I think it was chapter one or chapter two or act one or act two that I was like, I don't remember this being this long the first time. I must have slept through it. Because <laughs> I slept. But you didn't. It was. It must have been like 45 minutes or an hour long. Seriously? What? Yeah. There's an I don't actual, have that kind of attentional capacity even when I'm medicated. I don't watch television. No. <laughs> so this isn't trying to understand. I don't watch TV because I don't like to just focus on TV <laughs> like that. So to have to, like, focus on an entire TV show oh. between acts of my game, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to kill somebody. What for is me, going yeah. on? I, I, I like – I'll watch a little bit of TV. I'll watch some shows. But I'm going to say this. I have never seen a video game that was so well written that I'm gonna sit here and watch that shit for an hour. No, uh-uh. Mm-mm. And I'm gonna go down. Yeah. This is no. not up to that level. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. I would love yeah. it. I would love to see a video game that's that well written, but no thanks. No. No. Well, you know, people are saying, well, it's good TV. I don't think any TV is good TV. So well, I'm good I'm TV a bad compared judge. to what? I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a bad judge. I'm a bad judge. You know, it's just like, like I said, I, I don't occasionally, so this is what I'll do, is any at any given time, I will watch one television show, like one series, mm-hmm. and that's all I watch. So it's like an hour a week, unless it's on Netflix, and then I might watch a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. But something always happens to piss me off. Because I was watching, oh, what is it, Miss... Um, it's not Miss Marple. What the hell's her name? Uh, the Australian. Um, <laughs> I, I, I blocked her because she made me so mad. Um, on Netflix. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember her name either. I, I don't can't either. I can't I'm, either because yeah. Miss Fitch, Miss Fisher's. Oh, um, right, Miss Fisher's Mysteries, right? Mysteries, right? Yep. So, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool because it's kind of sex positive. It's really strongly feminist. Have you seen this show? I haven't, but I've heard of it, and I'm okay. So I was watching it, and I was, and I was probably halfway through the first season, and I posted on Facebook, and I was like, okay, so I'm watching this show, and I'm like, and I'm halfway through the first season, and it takes place in like 1920s Australia. I was like, problem. I have not seen any colored people yet. (laughs) I'm like, and we know historical (laughs) accuracy. (laughs) we had aboriginal people even in the 1920s because we know what kind of horrible shit they were doing to oh details oh yes do you know why do you have to be so difficult (laughs) apparently i'm difficult right and somebody was like well keep watching because one comes in later (laughs) oh okay oh one 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 and then actually there were two Oh, um, yay! Three if you count the dead one. Um, they, that <laughs> Always was in that count episode. the dead ones. Always count Always. the dead in that episode. Mm-hmm. And that was it. There were no more Aboriginal people after that. And then I was watching, and it was, and I think it was in season two. And I was watching, and I was like, there's no more. And they, it was an episode where they were making a movie, and there were slaves. It was a, it was a, it was a Greek. It was like Greek slaves. But there was one black slave, and I'm like, uh-uh. no, Jesus, they are not going to do this. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. <laughs> so and then, yes, Satan said, oh, he yeah. Had, he no. had, like, one line in the whole 
fucking mm-hmm. episode, which was like, here you go, or something like that, when he like pulled out a chair, pushed up a chair for her to sit and watch them filming, and then he stood behind her, and she just sat there oogling him, ogling him, right? And I'm like, no, Satan, not today. And the episode ended with him naked and asleep in her bed. What? In shackles. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I'm out. Nope. Mm -mm. And I was like, oh, I'm out. Y'all lost me forever. Mm -mm. I'm not coming back. Nope. Mm -mm. I'm like, so he just became her dirty little fantasy. (sighs) He did not speak. He was asleep. She slapped him on his bare ass and got out of bed. Well. That sounds lovely. <laughs> oh God! I was like, in whose mind was oh, that you okay? Know. I you know. know. Oh, you know <laughs> whose? Oh, you know whose? It wasn't black <laughs> people. <laughs> oh, oh, this is why I don't. Well, watch that television. was the last time I watched that show. <laughs> mm Hmm. Yeah, I was I was done with that after that. But whew, okay. All right. Yeah. No television. No, no, no. Um, so I'll go through I'll go through the rest of this quickly. Also for the marathon, play some Destiny, because it was really fun. Play with Alicia and Ashley and that shit got wild. Uh, <laughs> I have not played Destiny. I just have to say my other family members have played Destiny and I listen constantly to Brucago people talking about Destiny and I just I cannot bring myself to do it because I suck at first person shooters. So I'll just watch other people play. The only reason that game is fun is the only way it's fun is if you're playing with people you like. Yeah. yeah. And we have kind of a good group of folks that we play with. All right. Well, you'll you know, have to, to invite me in because as long as you can, you know, deal with people who suck at first-person shooters, then I'll do it. Well, I kind of suck at first-person shooters. Shut up, Alicia. I didn't want to be the one to say it. Uh, really? <laughs> you didn't? <laughs> well, you know you know where your bread's buttered, so. <laughs> you're not no, no, she got here. <laughs> he still talks about me. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, oh, and I don't get all my. Honestly, I. I are you, would, do you play? I would do play. you have it for the PlayStation or the Xbox One? Uh, probably both. We have we have both an Xbox One and a PS4 because we're that kind of family. So. Cool. Because we all play on the Xbox One. We'll, we'll talk about okay. it. Okay. Right. We, we will. Um. Oh, I dusted off my PS4. And? Because God knows I've never played, I've never played, that damn thing's a paperweight. Um, or doorstopper is what it is. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And you played what on it? And um, I started, I know, Alicia mm-hmm. laughed at me, she talked about me bad. Mm-hmm. I, I went to the red box to return a movie. This is how it happened. See, what happened was, mm-hmm. I was <laughs> isn't that how the, the Jay-Z album response to Lemonade is going to start? <laughs> what happened was, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad that got me. I, um, I, went to the, I went to the red box to return the Peanuts movie. And it was like, this box is full. Sorry. 
please go to a different location to return it or rent a movie of your choice. And I was like, yeah, I got, you know, a code that was like, rent one, get one, right? So I was like, sure, I'll rent something. So I put it in and I rented a movie. Um, I can't even remember what it was. I rented some movie for P. And um, see, because we don't even have television. <laughs> That's how horrible it is. We're, we have My no, kids don't no... watch television at this point. They just watch They watch Netflix. They watch yeah. YouTube. They watch Twitch. If it's not on there, we don't watch it, right? Because we don't have any kind of local television. Um, and I'm not paying for cable because I don't watch Why? it. Why? Why? Um, so, yeah, right, because then you get shit like Miss Fisher's ass-slapping, you know. Uh, but, so, Miss Fisher's ass-slapping. Yeah. So, I, I got a movie for P in it, and I was like, oh, Brent, one, get one. So, I was like, and they were like, how about Uncharted 4? And I was like, oh, how about it? People seem to like it. And so I was like, because I swore I was not going to buy it. And, and uh, <laughs> And so I got Uncharted 4 and I went home and I installed it and it took, was taking forever to install. So I never didn't play it the first night. And I'm like, now I'm going to have to pay for it. Right. So I was pissed. And, um, so the next night I actually sat down and I was, it was like, it was like midnight and I was like, I'm going to play for like an hour just to see how it is. So like three hours later, (laughs) I was like, I really need to go to bed because I got to get up at six. I've heard good um, things about it. I have. It was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. It was surprisingly good. So um, I was like, okay, I'm going to return this. I'm going to return this um, this this damn rental, and I'm just going to buy it. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm like, and I'm going to get some good out of it. So I, Alicia and I went for beer flights. Was it yesterday? And I was yes. like, so look here, Alicia, this is what we're going to do. Oh, <laughs> oh the beer flights. Why was I not there for that? Why? Oh, yeah, I don't live in Indiana. That's yeah, right. see. <laughs> I have to draw other people into my madness. So I talked Alicia into it, and I was like, so here's what's going on in this game. we got to play this game together and um, write something about it. So. Mm-hmm. I love you, Alicia. what I have to say, though. Uh-oh. Oh, that reminds me on the PS4. There's also the new Ratchet and Clank re. Basically, it's the the first Ratchet and Clank game that they're giving out again, which is cool. I mean, I like. I don't. I'm not good at platformers, but I do like. I do like that whole time in video games, the Ratchet and Clank mm-hmm. and Sly Cooper, all of that stuff. Mhm. Yeah, I play Sly Cooper games on my Vita. I love Sly Cooper. I, my kids still love Sly Cooper and still play them over. They're yeah. They good. good. And I played a little Tropico Five because we were talking about games that you know you just click on stuff and wait for shit to happen. <laughs> um, so that I sounds good. I might as well be a Cuban dictator. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing stereotypical. It's racist popular these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I played Little Tropical Five on the PS4 because it was free with PlayStation Plus this month. <laughs> Why not? Why not? That's it. Might yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. So what's what's the next thing? What you reading? Anybody read anything? Oh well, I mean, I'm always reading neuroscience articles. 
because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> Surprise. So, so neuroscience, poetry, fashion magazines, that's kind of how it works. Um, I have been recently rereading a bunch of Cornelius Castoriadis articles. Are you familiar with him, his work at all? Mm -mm. <laughs> he is super interesting, dude. Um, he was uh, he was a, a Greek. He was born in Greece, um, and moved to France and was very involved in the '68 student rebellion issues. He was one of the people who began Socialism and Barbarianism, that journal, hmm. and so he, he's a very very interesting thinker and. Uh, he then broke with the Marxists at that time due to concerns about encroaching fascism within Marxism. And so there, he, he then went into, uh, he became a psychoanalyst in France. And one of the things he's most well known for, which I appreciate about him, is slapping down Lacan constantly. And um, so, he, so he's a really fascinating fascinating guy and back a million years ago when I wrote my dissertation I used a lot of his work and I had sort of fallen away from his stuff and so I was rereading him recently um, especially in light of current political circumstances and his view that uh, consumerism is sort of the new fascism and his mm. discussion of consumerism in light of that so Cornelius Historiatus I highly recommend him. Cool. Yeah, he's interesting. Sounds like it. What about you, Alicia? What you reading, darling? Um, I've been reading a lot of stuff on virtual worlds. Uh, oh. you know, <laughs> a lot good. of stuff, all the things. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's been written about virtual worlds, it's been open on my computer lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for fun, I started reading classic uh, Shirley Jackson's "We've Always Lived in the Castle." Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. Mm -hmm. I forgot what what reading for fun was like. It's been a while. It's nice. Yeah. Reading for fun is good. Everyone should it do is. it. I recommend it. Sam's not reading for fun. Sam's reading for anger. You know, anger and fun. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I think anger and fun. You can, you know, there's some interchangeability. I I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so I've been reading the. Um, I, w I think we talked about this last time. I'm in this diversity work group mm -hmm. of faculty members on campus lately. God help me. And oh, um, bless you. <laughs> just don't just just don't hurt anyone. You know, if if I believed <laughs> in purgatory, I would say. <laughs> That, You're this work group, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. If anybody on the work group is listening, I didn't mean that. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I would say it exists in that space. But anyway, so um, I've been reading um, Whistling Vivaldi. Um, oh, like your yeah. today. Oh, it killed me. It killed mm -hmm. me. Oh, killed so, me. So, yeah. I've been reading Whistling Vivaldi for, <sighs> from, from that group. It's one of the books that... <sighs> That the group was reading. Um, we're reading like six books right now on diversity. Okay. And that's one of them. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, that's what academics do is they sit around and read a whole bunch of fucking books about diversity and look at each other. Right, and, right. Yeah. And then, right. And then yeah. talk about respectability. And it was very interesting. Um, my stepdaughter, who is um, of Native American descent, uh, is is very interested in diversity issues, very interested in um, identity kinds of issues. And so sort of talking with her about the the bell hooks piece mm-hmm. on lemonade has mm-hmm. been very interesting uh, because she like worships at bell hooks altar i mean she just loves her which i mean who doesn't um i used to right now <laughs> i used to well i, I mean so here's the issue but but you know what we all suck as people and this is why i like Cornelius Castoriadis, because he is—he's an economist, he is a philosopher, he is a political philosopher, he's a psychoanalyst, and basically he talks about how we all—we we all have to deal with who we are as people, not just in terms of what we absorb from our cultural backgrounds, right, and our familial backgrounds, um, but that no one's perfect. All our faves are problematic. Every every one of us. Yep. And there has to be room for disagreement and difference, and especially within feminism. Um, you know, one of the delightful things about, you know, I have my biological children are boys, and I've had the great fortune of having a stepdaughter who I have no biological relation to, but I get to be <laughs> I get to be the cool stepmom, right? And so I don't have to deal with all the 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 dynamics of moms and daughters, right? Because, you know, she has to deal with that with her mom. And I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> like like I'm out. Moms are hard. Whatevs, right? Um but I also get to help her navigate the terrain of being a person of her generation identifying as a feminist and what that means mm-hmm. and what that means to her what her, what she's currently reading and to help her navigate that which is I, I feel so honored to be doing that with her yeah I, I can't imagine um, what it's going to be like for my daughter, who's seven now, mm-hmm. and already strongly feminist in her own way. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine what it's going to be like for her when she's a teenager. In ten years, yeah. it's going to be hell. Yeah. Well, and also what you know, what people, what people mean when they say feminist now versus when I was in college versus when I was a teenager, right? It's it's so. It varies so much, and I think it's important to be to be able to look at that in context, right? And to be able to look at that with within the history of how feminism has been dealt with in the United States, not and in the larger quote unquote Western world and the non-Western world. It's hugely important, and mm-hmm. I'm super pleased that that. 
that Alex gets access to this kind of stuff. I mean, this, the classes she's taking are super interesting. I didn't have those. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, though. I know. It's just it's it's depressing. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm getting ready to go see Beyonce Saturday, and uh, honestly, I I admit a hundred percent, I absolutely love lemonade. I love it hundred percent. I am just a ridiculous white lady, and I can't speak to any of the <laughs> any of the other stuff about it. <laughs> and I don't. I just retweet everybody. But I just I think it's the greatest greatest thing. I love it. So yeah, me too. I have to say, I, I'm, I'm listening to it, like, all the time. Yeah. I'm watching it's really it. really good. So, so when we're talking about what you're watching, I'm like, I don't know, some late night shows are mostly just lemonade over and over and over again. <laughs> over and over again, yeah. <laughs> the visuals. Yes. The visuals in it are phenomenal. Amazing. They're Amazing. absolutely phenomenal. And I'm Amazing. not going to sit here and let people, like, trash her for the visuals in it because it's fantastic. Mm -mm. Nope. And also seeing Serena... Oh my god! Like I love, like my love for Serena. I grew up playing tennis. Okay, mm -hmm. so my love for Serena Williams, I cannot begin <laughs> to explain. And so seeing her show up in that, like, because I just I watched it first without listening to it. And so when that piece came on, and I saw her come, you know, going down the stairs, I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> All good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So the other thing I'm reading is I am reading something for fun. Thank you very much. Alicia Caribbean is <laughs> my guilty pleasure. I've talked about them before. My guilty pleasure um, books are mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't usually like and I and, and okay, so two things about mysteries. One, I have to have female detectives because the ones with the male detectives always get misogynist and homophobic really, really quickly. Very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to have a female detective. And nine times out of ten, I can't have a heterosexual female detective because mm -hmm. there's always a heterosexual love interest. And, you know, it's not my thing. Sorry. Yeah. I got nothing against heterosexuals, nothing at all. But, you know, that's not my thing. Right. So um, <laughs> I am reading um, High Desert, uh, a Kate Delafield mystery um, by Catherine Forrest. So I get Kate Delafield, who is this... Um, older, hard-boiled, um, female lesbian, female lesbian, lesbian detective. <laughs> female lesbians, yeah, female lesbians. We have a couple of those. Lesbian detectives, yeah. Let's have another beer. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I keep looking at the bottle that you're drinking. I'm like, I don't recognize that as something. <laughs> Oh, see, now we get to get to the fun part. We haven't, yeah, we haven't even gotten to that. I yet. know. So finish the finish the what you're reading part, and then we can go to what we're drinking. That's what I'm. That's all I'm reading. That's what I'm reading. Um, Whistling Vivaldi and High Desert. Okay. So what you're drinking? So Deborah, we're gonna start with you because you're a guest. What you drinking, darling? Um. So we're gonna have to talk about the hops issue at some point. But yes. anywho, yes. um, I you know I am in general against fruit in my beer. Because oh. gross, but it's not though. But well, no, it's not because somebody told me about Ballast Points Watermelon Dorado, mm. and so it's a a double IPA with watermelon, and oh my god, it's really good. So 
I like it a lot. I don't generally like fruit in my beer, but I am crazy for this. I really like it. I've discovered that I really like fruit in my beer, and I don't usually like IPAs, but when they mm -hmm. throw fruit into the IPA, then I'm there. Mm -hmm. I haven't tried the pineapple, it. although I've heard that's good, too. Oh, I like pineapple. There's a pineapple one. I'm just saying, oh, anyway, I haven't we tried it yet. Up a, we picked up a, um, what was it? Uh, was Cider Panda Boys, Panda. pineapple, no, the pineapple hula. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Pineapple hula, right, was what it was from uh -huh. Cider Boys. Mm -hmm. When we were, we, we we drove to Michigan together and drove back and, and stopped and got beer. <laughs> As you do. Michigan wines yeah. on the way back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was a pineapple hula was a, by Cider Boys, which was amazing. Wow. I may have to try that. Again, I, in general, I have not liked fruit in my beer. I like a very hoppy beer. Which I know, I know, don't, I know, you're just gonna die. But I love, <laughs> I love hops. Um, and so I've got my watermelon Dorado. I'm drinking that. I also, I'm very much a wine person. I like white wine in particular. Um, I really like Bonnie Dune wines, and they have this really cool one that is uh, a a red grape that they made a white wine out of that's pretty cool that I've been drinking. Oh. Um, but at this moment, I'm drinking the watermelon Dorado, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm not ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be. You do you. Yeah, exactly. Although I've heard that's wrong, too, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> we don't roll that way. Some would say, some would say, but we <laughs> What you drinking, Alicia? Well, speaking of fruit in my beer, mm -hmm. uh, I I'm drink I'm I'm double fisting uh Abita tonight. I, I had a purple haze. Wait, what's that? That's the raspberry lager and it's good as hell. Mm, it's who very makes that? it's it's Abita. Um it's they're a New Orleans brewery. It's New okay. Orleans, yeah. And uh, I've I never been to New Orleans. Orleans. I know it's Louisiana. I don't know if it's New Orleans. It I think be. it's New Orleans. Yeah, I'm going stuff. to New Orleans for the first time this oh coming God. fall. I know. Can you believe it? I cannot believe I've never been there, but I haven't. But I'm going in for the next uh, neuropsychological society meeting. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> don't plan to. Don't. Okay, so here's two questions. What mm -hmm. time of year are you going? February. Okay, that's good. And second thing, don't plan to go into any sessions. <laughs> That's already clear. I mean, and so, and also, um, I, I have my my friends in neuropsychology are delightful people, including so Dean Beebe, who is a sleep researcher and runs the training program at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, which isn't too far from you guys. Um, he is a genius about finding places to rent. So he's going to find a house for my friends and I to rent, so we don't have to stay in the hotel oh, nice. during the conference. Yeah. That'll be nice. Yeah, I'm yeah New Orleans excited. is amazing. I have a, I have a, a, I have a really soft spot in my heart for New Orleans. I went to New Orleans for the first time, um, with a part of a, a teen organization when I was 14 years old, with no fucking supervision. <laughs> how well that turned out. I'm sure that went really. really it well. went really well for me. <laughs> and, 
And then I went back like every year for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So and and it really hurt my heart um, when Katrina hit, and it never yeah, it, it I, never returned. I I hadn't been there before Katrina, and then once Katrina hits, I just thought I can't go. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Um, I but went once go. post Katrina, and I and I haven't been back since. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's a that's a da- that's a downer thing. Yeah, that's what, a what different conversation. Alicia. Oh, another Abita I've been drinking, and, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I thought I would try their IPA um, because it's the big, easy IPA. It says it's easy drinking, so I thought it might be kind of a mild IPA, and it is. Um, eh. Eh. You know, it's got lemon citrusy right. IPA, so I'm here okay. for citrusy IPAs. All right. I mean, yeah. I'm here for any IPA because <laughs> that's what I like, and... You know, the, my thing with with a lot of IPAs is to me they taste kind of flowery, and I don't really know how else to describe it. Um, it's all the hops. Yeah, there's a the there's hops. a flavor there that that I'm not always down with. I like some IPAs. I don't like other IPAs, but I can't always tell before I have them. So right. as a rule, unless somebody recommends one to me, I kind of avoid them because I never know. Right. And beer is expensive, and I'm a grad student. Yeah. Well, so if you come to Los Angeles, I'll take you to Smog City. Which is our local one of our local <clears throat> one of our local breweries that makes some amazing IPAs. I'm just saying. I'm just checking my. I don't know. Do we have a schedule? And do we have anything in Los Angeles anytime soon? <laughs> Why aren't you guys coming to Los Angeles, by the way? Why um, are we? Los Angeles is expensive. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. That's true. It is. You can come stay with um, me though. It's free. <laughs> And drink lots of IPAs. Yeah. yeah. Drink lots of IPAs. Sounds like the best. Well, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. Um, what is that? I am drinking. Here it is. It is a Crispin Pear Cider. Oh, oh. hi. <laughs> Did um, you just say why? Yes. You're right. You're absolutely right. Let me tell you why. <laughs> because I was completely out of ciders in my house. And... I had my child with me, so I could not go to anywhere. I couldn't go anywhere where I could get good cider, right? And and so, Why? They don't let, so if you walk into a grocery store, wait, it, it, Indiana, do they let you buy booze in grocery stores? Yeah, but, we can, but there's, no good, there's no good booze in grocery stores. Yeah, no, we, we don't have a lot of good booze. I'm staying in California. That's all I'm saying. Wait, yeah, no, you can actually get you can get get a pretty fair selection. Of beer, and you can get like some basic cider. Yeah. But the better selections of ciders is one thing that you cannot get at the grocery stores. You have to go ah. to the store. You have to go to the package stores, and they don't let kids in. Okay. So I was like, oh, what can I find that might be halfway decent? Um, and I had not tried the Crispin, and I was like, oh, maybe this will be really good, like that pear cider that I got at the package store that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was is like, it? but it's com. I was like, but it's commercial cider, and I was like, but on the box they're billing it as craft cider, so maybe it's a crafty commercial cider. Let's try <laughs> it. It could be. It could be. Nope. Oh. Nope. Crispin's bullshit. It oh, is bullshit. Man. It is pure unadulterated. There bullshit. was a list recently too, some kind of list of like the twenty best ciders, or whatever, and that shit was on there, and I was like, and Crispin oh, no. was on there, which is no. which is one plant. of the reasons I picked it up. And then I, so I, like I said, I stuck it in the fridge, and I was like, I'm going to grab two beers, 
And I was like, oh, I'll grab this because there's two right here and they're cold and I haven't and tried these. It's pretty yet. label. It's pretty label. It's pretty label, but the but the cider's bullshit. It tastes like water. Oh. It tastes like water. It, it has no real taste to it. That's sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's bad. Like I said, luckily it's only a four pack and, and I've drank half of it tonight, so Good. Well you just keep going. I've been going. Because I'm pretty sure there's, honest to God, I'm pretty sure there's no alcohol in this shit. <laughs> it's um, likely. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And uh, to make it worse, it's back sweetened. Really? Mm. Yeah, it's back sweetened. So they just pour some juice in it afterwards, which is probably why there's no alcohol. Why it tastes like it has no alcohol in it? Because it oh. really doesn't. Because they probably have like this much cider and this much juice. Um, yeah, it's like 4.5 percent alcohol. It's bullshit. Oh, seriously. It's yeah, it's like sad. it's like apple juice you kept in your refrigerator for like two or three days. Yeah, got about as much alcohol. That's sad. So I have to tell you, I'm completely distracted by the Elmo behind you <laughs> <laughs> because I so one of the things I saw was that you know you know how you know Elmo the Elmo dancing thing. Did you see the Elmo dancing to Rihanna's work? No, <laughs> it's so good. So I keep. So, again, I'm easily distracted, and you know this about me, and my apologies. But I keep seeing the Elmo, and I keep watching, in my mind, his dancing to Rihanna's work. And so. Oh, I'm going to check that out. No. Yeah, Elmo. I love yeah. Elmo. I love Elmo. Yeah, I have, I have a pretty good collection. I have Elmo's going to dance on the moon, and that makes me happy. Oh, wait. Is that? Oh, wow. Look at that. Pinky in the brain. Yeah, there's brain. And then yeah. I have a Cartman. Oh, and a Cartman. Yep. Okay. Well. I've got some good stuff up there. This is what's left because my kid comes in and steals shit. Of course. When she, As when she, she was little, do. when she was little, she damn near killed herself because um, she turned over one of these shelves. Of course. Luckily, luckily it was one of the end ones because mm -hmm. I and I only keep knickknacks on them and they're fair. They only like this wide. Yep. And they only have knickknacks on them. Uh, but she was she tried to climb them to get to the toys. As, you know, understandable. Yeah. Yep. And that was when I was like, oh, shit, nailed them all to the wall. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was wise. Yep. yep. All mine are. Because, you know, Pickle would be climbing that shit, and she would definitely kill herself. <laughs> yes. Yes, she would. My, uh, my two-year-old is a... Oh, oh two-year-olds are evil. She's three now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she's turned three. Yeah, she's still. That, you know what? That's probably why she was so mad at me when she was over here last time, and she laid outside my office door and cried. Mm -hmm. Because, and I was like, "No, you can't go in there." Yeah. Because <laughs> I got too much shit in there yeah. that you could kill yourself with. And she would. That's where I hide yeah. all the stuff you can kill yourself with. It's my happiness to work with children. Honestly, I just it fills me with joy. There's nothing I like better. Can I just ship you mine? Sure. <laughs> I, had, I had a kid. I had a kid in my office this week. A kid on the spectrum, and he was he was just not having anything I was suggesting he do, and he was whining and complaining. And I just looked at him and I pointed to an empty space on the wall and just said, "Didn't you see the sign?" And he looked at me and I said, "Don't you see the no whining sign on the wall?" <laughs> he looks at me and he goes. What are you talking about? I said, can't you see? It says whining with a little line through it. And he just looked at it, and he looked at me like, you are completely insane, lady. <laughs> and then he started laughing, 
and stopped whining. So I was happy. Hey, whatever works. I don't try that with my kid. Do it. Kids are very smart, and they like humor. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking so of kids. Myself. Speaking of kids. <laughs> speaking of kids. Um, and so I have to tell this story um, really quickly and it's about about how I approached Deborah, and I was like, you need to come on our show. So I have a, an interest in um, games and neurology, but from the standpoint of um, several years ago, um, I, I saw these articles that started to come out about how um, games in particular, um, but other things that, that kind of mimic what the brain does with games can help develop new neural pathways. And I was absolutely fascinated by it. And I like read everything I could possibly get my hands on um, that talked about games and neural pathways. Um, so, um, and Deborah, we've been talking on Twitter for like a while now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then once I was like, why haven't you come on our show and talk to us about this? I know, right? Why? Why? <laughs> So I was like, this, we need to rectify this. Well, we so have fixed it, so. We have fixed it. So that's how, um, that's, that's one of the main reasons. It was completely selfish on my part. Um, I thought it was that, selfish on my part. Whatever. <laughs> so, Deborah, tell us, I mean, tell us more, because I, I was like, I want you to come talk to us about um, neuropsychology and neurodiversity and games in particular. Um would talk to us. Tell us all the interesting things. Well, okay. So, I mean, one of my frustrations is the way, so two things. One is the way in which people understand autism spectrum disorders and neurodevelopmental disorders. Mm -hmm. And the other is the way in which people understand brain development and uh, playing video games in relation to brain development. Mm -hmm. So both of these areas are absolutely filled with people who don't have any actual experience in interacting with those areas, but who are very happy to uh, opine about them. <laughs> so um, do you want to start on the neurodevelopmental side or do you want to start on the video game side? Because I can... You know, I, I can go on and on about either. How about we start on the neurodevelopment side and branch over? All right. So, neurodevelopment. Um, when I give talks about brain development, one of the things I often do is play a, a video of Daniel Wolpert talking about the real reason for brains. Did, did you, were you able to see that little piece? Okay, so so Daniel Wolpert is a neuroscientist who does a lot of motor development kinds of studies, and he gave a TED talk a while back that was actually, you know, TED talks being problematic in the ways they are. It was it was very interesting, and it was about how there is significant evidence that um, the brain evolved for the purpose of voluntary control over movement. And that if you don't need to move, you don't need to have a brain. Very interesting if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about 
human function as being about voluntary control over movement and about communication as having a significant sensory motor component, right, no matter what you're doing. Um, it gives you a little bit of a different perspective in terms of looking at both typical and non-typical developmental trajectories for people. Mm -hmm. And so neurodevelopmental disorders from this perspective are often about difficulties with sensory motor planning and sensory motor function. And so if you look at it from that perspective, then you can start thinking about neurodevelopmental differences as having to do with trouble uh, implementing motor programs, developing motor programs, developing intentions, and also interacting with the environment effectively in both conscious and non-conscious ways. So I thought that was pretty awesome when I discovered it and mm -hmm. looked into a lot of the neuroscience research about it and then looked at the clinical kind of intersections with those things and then looked at how, um, what about your environment, right? So you're developing your neuromotor function, and so what does it mean when you've got, I don't know, lead in your water? Mm. Um, what does it mean when you don't have access to good nutrition? Mm -hmm. What does it mean when you don't have an ability to interact with your environment in an ongoing way, right? When you're in a classroom that makes you sit in a chair and that's all you do. Mm -hmm. So that area uh, of research was very, very interesting to me. Um, and then looking at the research about cognitive functions, with children and adults uh, who have neurodevelopmental differences. It, so uh, that intersection became very, very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, like I said, it's always been, well, not always, but it's been interesting to me for the last several years, but even more so like now, like you said, mm -hmm. when you talk, start thinking about children with lead in their water, right? Mm, and when yeah. we start to think about the long-term implications of this as well. Mm -hmm. We're not just talking about kids who now have high levels of lead in their blood, but we're talking about generations of Gen kids. Exactly. Yeah. Who are going generations to Generations of kids. And differences in access to um, higher levels of being able to move, right? So if we consider brain development as being about voluntary control over movement and how developing an ability to organize movement and to uh, create intentions and follow through on intentions as being important for everything, what does that mean for children who are then restricted in terms of their abilities to do those things? Mm. Um, 
there, there's a, a researcher in Utah, um, Salif Mahamane, um, super cool dude, and uh, he did a TED talk about ADHD that I think is really great. Um, I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. Um, but there's this idea about if ADHD is considered from the perspective of a movement disorder and if autism spectrum is considered from the perspective of a movement disorder, how do we go about supporting people's abilities to interact with their environment, right? Because disability, to some degree, is um, contextual, right? So whether you're considered disabled or not is dependent upon whether you're able to meet the demands of your environment in any given setting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for people who have disabilities in particular settings, how do we make it possible for them to access material, to access interactions with people um, without without creating a hierarchy around it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that piece is super important uh, in relation to educating children. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and when we start to think about, I mean, like you said, we, if we talk about who, um, specifically in the case of Flint, right, you know, mm -hmm. who is, is most likely to be affected by this, is, and we're talking about kids um, who are most, like, most likely African American, mm -hmm. um, most of them, um, like more than 70% of them fall below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are the kids who are going to be targeted most. I don't know if anybody here else hears an echo of me or is it just me. Um, Your voice is so powerful bit. it just resonates in my head. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, but, uh, but these are the kids who get targeted most as being behavioral problems. Right. Anyway. Uh -huh. School to prison pipeline. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So and then when yep. we, we think about the kind of. Uh, meritocratic system that is set up in our schools where and it's the banking model of education sit in rows, listen to the teacher mm -hmm. um, and this is how you will learn, right? Mm -hmm. Don't move mm -hmm. stay right there do what you're supposed to do kind of thing yep um, and then to, to throw neurodiversity into the mix it makes it even worse it does, it absolutely right? does absolutely I mean and if we're thinking about Flint, if we're thinking about the fact that post uh, post all of this shit that happened in Flint, they went in and started testing the water in schools in Detroit. And they oh, there's the, the level of lead, like, honestly, like the, when this comes out nationwide in terms of infrastructure yeah. and levels of lead, it is going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. And lead uh, is le – lead is – a huge neurotoxin. It is profound. Profound. Yeah, yeah it's, it's horrible. I mean, and, and like I said, like when they went in and they tested the levels in Detroit schools, they actually like closed schools. They were like, nope, the level of lead's too high. We got to just close the whole damn school. Right. right? So, I mean, and, and 
Detroit, I know, because I worked in the Detroit public school system yeah. once upon a time, because uh, I was an elementary school teacher in my previous life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Bless uh, you. Yeah. So I know of what, uh, I know of what I speak, right? Oh, um, yeah. And, and how teachers are told by administration, no. I mean, because, you know, I did something as radical in the in the early 90s as put my kids in pods mm-hmm. for, for, and they were like, nope. Take the pods apart, put them back in rows. Right. <laughs> you know, there's like no pods, no sitting on the floor in groups, no nope. no, no sitting on balls, no standing up and walking around, nothing. None of this. Sit down in a row and listen, right? So, so this kind of thing. I mean, and it's part of the reason. Like uh, uh, Alicia's son and my daughter go to school together, and it's mm-hmm. it's a big part of the reason that I chose the school for her that I did. Uh, because it's a, it's a responsive classroom school. Yeah. Uh, what kind of is it? Is it a, what is it? A it's, a charter, it's a charter school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a charter school that uses the responsive classroom model. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're very hippy dippy, and I would like for them to be even more hippy dippy. No shit, uh, me too. <laughs> you know, well, it's like which kind of hippy dippy? Again, I, I'm more I, I'm interested in the science piece of the hippy dippy piece. So I'm like, well. Uh, are you looking at kind of bottom-up sensory regulation kinds of issues and dealing with that in relation to kind of top-down content issues? And if you do that, that is that kicks ass, basically. So it's heavy dippy in the way that, well, one, they're, they're very big into things like yoga balls and mats and kids can walk around and they're centers yep. and they do things and they yep. have like five, they have like, five recesses a day so the kids can move and Good. when um, when they're learning about science like they were doing they were learning about um science uh, in the last unit uh MP's class so they made all of they made all of their own little um like they made like little barometers and they made all of these like different cool. pressure monitoring devices right. And then they took them outside and they ran with them in order to kind of determine yeah. things like this. So yeah, yeah. I'm really that is I application. Think, yep. You know, the other day, because um, there are kids are in different classes. My son's class had a substitute, and apparently the substitute actually made them sit at their tables all day and work in a more quote unquote traditional model. And he came home and he said, he explained to us what had happened, and he said. I think this is what school is supposed to be like, but I'm glad it's not. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Depressing. Yeah. Um, we need yoga balls and bean bags. I'm, I'm down for that. Well, and also the understanding that developing self-regulatory capacities and understanding your arousal level and being able to then manage it is extremely important and that that you can have all of the content knowledge in the world but if your sensory regulation gets off you can't access it so it it the the idea that that people have to learn how to manage their self regulation they have to manage their level of arousal it, that's an important development in terms of being a citizen, mm-hmm. um, it, it gets lost, and it mm-hmm. all gets focused on to absorb this content, and 
spit it back out. So there's a kind of a robotic um, element to that that is not about citizenship, in my opinion. It's not about being a member of society. It's about being a robot. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I have a problem with in terms of um, autism treatment as it has been traditionally done with an emphasis on kind of ABA approaches to um, force children to make eye contact, to um, engage in what's considered socially acceptable um, interactional styles without understanding why, if they're not engaging in those typical behaviors, why that is, right? So I see a lot of adults with PTSD who were given intensive ABA treatment when they were children to teach them how to, you know, teach them to make eye contact and to, you know, engage in typical social behaviors, but did not, appreciate what that means in terms of a person's cognitive reserves, right? So if you are sensitive to multiple, you know, too much input, um, looking at someone in the eyes while you're listening to what they are saying is overwhelming. So if you want to listen to what they're saying, you look away, right? So you don't get overwhelmed. And this is considered a quote-unquote bad thing, right? And so people are then taught to focus on making eye contact. And then people wonder why they're not registering and following what people are saying. So the nice thing is that increasingly the research around working with people on the autism spectrum is about understanding their sensory differences and helping them manage their arousal levels instead of trying to just teach them to mimic what is expected in neurotypical okay. society. So, you know, my feeling is, you know, in no circumstance, you know, like res respectability will never save you, ever, <laughs> no matter what. And respectability in... Uh, neurodiversity circles means making eye contact apparently because that's important to a lot of neurotypical people. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so what are you saying? We can't cure people <laughs> who are on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. Not a disease. Oh. Not a disease. And well, and this is also problematic, you know. And I, you know, this is one of the things that just kills me, is that. You know, I know within the African-American community, there's been so much shit that has been done to people. Yes. Okay. And so then this whole link that has been made between autism and vaccinations, mm -hmm. which is bullshit, mm. but I can understand why people are freaked out about it because so much horrific stuff has been done to people, right? Coming out of the medical community, absolutely. Uh, yes. So, again, this is one of those things that just, it makes me, uh, is weep with it because it's it's bullshit, but yeah. the, the reasoning behind it is not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, if we think you know, think back to Tuskegee experiment, right. think about experimentation with birth right. control, think right. about uh, secret sterilizations, think about all of the, the ways that medical technologies have been used against people of color, period. Yep. So, you know, it's like, how can you blame them? We have this conversation okay. all the time because my mother yep. is so anti-technology. She thinks all technologies are out to get her. And I'm like, I can't really, understand can it. <laughs> I can't. I cannot blame her. Yep. Cannot. Um, and this is what just breaks my heart because I also know that the uptick in measles and in so many diseases is because of people being afraid of vaccination, thinking that there's a link between vaccination and autism yeah. when there isn't. It is. It does not. It's not real. Um, and so. So again, for me, as you know, privileged white lady, I'm not going to be going into African American communities, going, "Oh, trust, trust the medical doctors and believe that this should be done." Like, I am not going to do that because why should anybody listen to me? Like, again, right? Um, but I also know that I so want people to get their kids identified and assisted because. Intervention in terms of uh, so for autism spectrum in particular, um, assistance with self-regulation and motor fluency helps tremendously. You know, all of those early OT interventions, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, and playing video games, in my experience, is extremely helpful for kids on the spectrum. Kids with spectrum traits. Or kids who are diagnosed fully as meeting criteria for autism spectrum disorder. There are so many ways in which video games and apps can really support their ability to communicate with other people and engage because they really want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that makes me super stabby is this idea of autism spectrum being about um, uh, lack of empathy. Mm -hmm. It's complete bullshit. In my experience, autistic people are some of the most empathic people I have ever met. Absolutely. The difficulty is engaging in how do you demonstrate your empathy? And how do you, a lot of autistic people have sensory issues where everything gets in and they have filtering difficulties. So yeah. how do they know out of all of the information they're taking in, what's the most important? What's the thing they should be paying attention to? What's the thing they should be responding to? And then how do they do that, right? That is not a lack of empathy. That is an overwhelming amount of empathy. Yeah. And, and trying to process it all. Yeah. And then right. and trying to apply it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, video games are often a, a really great way for people on the spectrum to kind of slow down their interactions with other people a little bit so that they can engage in a way that feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. Which so is why, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. 
So I was going to say, which is why RPGs and MMOs and things, when parents talk about, oh, my kid wants to play video games all the time, and that's all they care about, and they're not interacting with other people. I'm like, oh, no, 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 they're interacting with other people. Yeah. <laughs> they're interacting yeah. in a way that they feel better able to keep up with, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I was I was going to ask a question because I know that people are going to people are going to like listen and want to know, right? So, what kinds of games are best for people on the spectrum to interact with? If you had to think about specific genres or even games within genres, well, I mean that's hard to that's hard to say because everybody's mm-hmm. different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So it kind of depends on what your interests are, right? Okay. So, for example. Um, a lot of kids I work with are super into Minecraft. Yeah. Right. They like every kid on the planet. Right. So <laughs> or not. Right. Like so. So Minecraft is a really cool way for people to interact with each other, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like games that allow people to interact with others in their own time. And to problem solve together. So one of the games I really like for people to play together in terms of um, families together and kids together is Portal 2 Mm -hmm. in um, playing together mode, right, where you're both playing robots and you're having to solve problems together. Mm-hmm. Because it gives you an opportunity to do problem solving together and to communicate and to also drop each other in acid and find that funny. <laughs> right? So so part of the issue is games that individuals play on their own and games that people play together to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. And they're different. Right? So people I know on the spectrum find interacting with other people tiring because of processing speed difficulties and differences and they have to it kind of takes them longer to keep up and so they find themselves really tired at the end of the day and so to be able to play a game that lets you just kind of hyper focus for a while and just be um, one of the games that I find a lot of people really enjoy is Smash Hit. Do you know? Have you played Smash Hit? I haven't. No. Smash Hit is a mobile game that basically has you throwing giant metal balls at things and smashing them. And it it's a sensory game in that it makes that loud smashy noise. So some mm. kids really like it because it has that loud smashing noise. Mm. Other kids don't like it because it has its loud smashing noise. So you have to, I mean, everybody's different, right? There's, so there's no one game that's going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the issue is really, for, for me, about self-regulation. If you're overwhelmed, what's going to help you hyper-focus for a little bit to get your regulation back? And then how long do you play it? Because if you hyper-focus on something too long, you're going to start getting irritable, right? And then when somebody says, okay, time's up, you're like, ah, now it will kill you, right? It, it's irritable. Mm-hmm. So you, every individual 
person and family has to deal with what amount of time to engage with any kind of stimulating activity that's going to help support their um, self-regulation versus making them more irritable. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people just to pay attention to that. There's no one right answer. It's really about any individual's arousal level and irritability. So the idea is to try to help people re-regulate and then interact with other people. And folks on the Mm -hmm. spectrum tend to have to work harder to keep up with stuff and so they get exhausted having to interact with people all day long, right? It's school. Keeping up with social interactions is tiring. Yeah. For everybody. I was going to say, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. Right. I'm, I, one of the reasons I come home and, you know, and, I, and I'm like, okay, I need to do something where I can just focus on, like Stardew Valley. I mm-hmm. want to grow crops and I want to build my farm and I want to occasionally go do some dungeon stuff because right. I'm really tired of talking to real people so I can talk to these virtual people for a while. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and so my concern is that a lot of the research that goes on tends to pathologize that. Like, I'm sorry, um, you know, think about, like, when I was a kid, we didn't have video games, but I had a book in my pocket, and, right, so I was reading constantly. And mm-hmm. and so the the ability for people to regulate themselves by reading, playing a video game, whatever, versus interacting with other people should not be uh, diminished. Mm -hmm. So, for example, also, um, we we talk about people, you know, focusing on their phones constantly, right? Um, When people are focusing on their phones, what are they doing? Are they texting other people? Are they on Twitter interacting with other people? Are they focusing on looking at something that doesn't interact with other people? These are not the same thing. So there's a difference between interacting with other people through a medium and just focusing on whatever you're doing with yourself. They're, they're different. And we should not treat them as the same, in my opinion. Although, if you're interacting with another person through the phone instead of the person you're sitting with, right, that's, that's an issue. But then the question should be, okay, so the person you're sitting with, are they being horrific to you and you're, you know, texting your friends instead of talking to them because they're <laughs> awful? Right? Yeah. Um, so, so, again, like one of the things that's brought this up for me more to think about is – you know, the reality that somehow, you know, Donald Trump is considered a presidential candidate, right? And the fact that this is possible at all means what for our society and how we understand people and how we interact with other people, what citizenship means for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and citizenship is a hugely important issue for me. And so when I look at at neurodevelopmental issues and how we help people be citizens and be active citizens, um, what does that mean, right? How do we do it? Yeah, 
I mean, so, okay. Here's one of those moments where I'm like, I don't know if I want to bring this up. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. Do it. But it's, it's, an, it's interesting, right, because when we talk about online behavior and citizenship and mm -hmm. what people do and don't do online, Um, it's been pretty interesting to um, watch, and I and I wish I, I paid closer attention because I went through and read a series of stuff. It must have been a year ago when people were talking about it. was around that time that that um, episode of Law and Order that focused on uh, that focused on Gamergate came out. Right, right, yeah. right. Because there was lots of people like online talking about um, it, uh, internet trolls and. Uh, And, and neurodiversity. Right. Interestingly enough, well, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you know this. You, may have, you you probably saw the same thing. I was like reading this oh, stuff yeah. voraciously right now. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, it's apparent from the characteristic that the characteristics that these people exhibit that they may be on the spectrum somewhere. And I'm like, hmm. Mm -hmm. And and <laughs> right. And it was like, so this is this is this is what this is how they explain what. And once again, and it, and it goes back to There's a, and these were people who were supposedly clinical professionals, um, <laughs> and they would use that as a as as a reasoning behind a lack of empathy. No, um, yeah, right. That was like, hmm, no. Are you sure your credentials are good? Yeah, no. Mm -mm. So it, it's interesting when we start to think about that, and I was like, I can see why some people would say this, but for a totally different set of reasons right. than the ones that people are throwing out there. Yep. Um, so so here's the deal. So oftentimes, people on the spectrum, people with ADHD, people who have difficulties interacting in real time, mm -hmm. um, can, whatever, misbehave, can misinterpret things, can respond improperly, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I just see that as an opportunity to help clarify, all right, in this situation, this is what you do. What I think is more interesting is that nobody at that time really talked about um, cultural norms about what was considered acceptable behavior uh, from a gender perspective um, in interacting with other people. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening, I feel, is people who had some social interaction difficulties got thrown under the bus Um, because we don't help people interact with each other in ways that are respectful and supportive of other people in general. And, you know, they, most people, you know, for example, you can look at, you could look at CNN, you could look at most news networks, and you can see people interacting with each other and asking questions in ways that are profoundly disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And profoundly, um, it's awful to other people's humanity. And to then assume that this is a particular problem for people with neurodevelopmental differences, I think, is 
really problematic. So, am I am I bringing you down? Am I am I am I bringing No, you it's down? not bringing me down at all. It's just like it's really interesting because it, it it makes a lot of sense from from a lot of different angles, right? Just in terms of thinking about um, children with uh, children with neurodiversity um, and thinking about um, environmental causes, and then yes. thinking about you know how we see neurodiversity may manifest in kind of everyday situations yes and sometimes how it how it gets how neurodiversity gets villainized well um, and also the, a lot of kids on the spectrum are very careful to watch other people and to try to model themselves after other people yeah. Okay, but then mm -hmm. the timing of it can be problematic, right? So if we live in a culture that is primarily misogynist and racist and transphobic, you know, it, it, you've got people who are observing things via television shows primarily, mm -hmm. um, cartoons, whatever. So basically, I just think people with neurodevelopmental disorders get denigrated unreasonably for yeah. things they're trying to do to kind of fit in with the community and it's a community that is essentially um, trained to operate in a pretty misogynistic and racist and homophobic and transphobic way absolutely so. Absolutely. I mean, and it's 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 interesting because because people make that argument. You know, one of the as I was like I said when this first started to come out and people were talking and I started to kind of process this right um, and and why this could be interpreted in the way that it was. It's like if we think about specifically um, white nationalist groups, mm -hmm. um, they operate in very much the same way as um, as other kind of groups with a gang mentality do. Yes, absolutely. Um, is yeah. is they take people who have been ostracized. Yep. From any cult. a larger community. Yeah. Any cult. And exactly right. And they yep. say, okay, well, come here where you are welcome. Mm -hmm. Right. You are a part of this family, and 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 bringing them in, they also seek to further push away any kind of normalizing force. Yep. For those people, and and I'm saying normalizing as in not hateful, not violent, right. not right. right? Um, and and I said, well, you know, as you start to process this, I was like, well, that makes perfect sense when you think about yes, it does. Um, when you yeah, when you think about people on the spectrum being pulled into what amounts to other hate groups, right? Yes. It's like you've yes. been ostracized here because of who you are, but we. We'll, we will take you for we'll who take you, you are. In. So right. Yes. So one of the things I do. So so I'm a clinician, and I have a very kind of specialized area, and the kinds of assessments I do are super expensive. Okay. So, and I'm not okay with other people not having access to that. So one of the things I do is uh, I work with the, uh, for example, the. Federal Defender's Office, right, for mm -hmm. cases, and I see a number of people over the years I've seen, people with developmental disabilities who get sucked into participating in criminal activities by sociopaths, mm 
Mm-hmm. Okay. By treating them, quote unquote, nicely and saying, oh, you can help us here, right? So there's a way in which people with developmental disabilities end up getting sucked into criminal activity by sociopathic folks to mm-hmm. feel a part of and to feel welcome, right? And then they get thrown under the bus. Yeah. Uh, this enrages me. Like, I just, so, like, uh, the, the cases I've seen of people who basically get suckered into driving, you know, be, being the driver for criminal activities or etc. When they don't really fully understand what they're doing, they yeah. just want to be good friends and help other people. <sighs> it, yeah, it's it's enraging. What can I say? So dealing with the kind of the the school to prison pipeline issue and making sure that. Um, are, do you guys know about um, Lollard Fish? You know the the at Lollard Fish, um, David Perry. That sounds familiar. You should. But... He's really worth following. He is a um, he's a disability issues guy and very interested in intersectional issues, and he's he's awesome. So I I highly recommend following him. Help. You said Lollard Fish. Lollard Fish. It's David, so it's David Perry. Uh-huh. Uh, I highly recommend following him because he he really kind of keeps up on this kind of that intersection with disability stuff. Mm-hmm. And the ways in which, you know, again, it, I, I am sort of horrified at the idea that somebody like Donald Trump might potentially become president of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it, you know, if that happens, the treatment of people with disabilities I think is going to be even worse than it is mm-hmm. currently. So we have to find ways to help protect people, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, and it's, it's interesting. Like I said, like I said, this is interesting to me on a number of levels. Um, and because another thing about about my past life as an elementary school teacher, um, <laughs> which is great, um, I'm so pleased that you did that because it's the Lord's uh, you know, work, and I, it's the Lord's work. Trust me, uh-huh. and I, I tell people all the time, I said I'd go back to doing it if I could like make a living wage. Right, uh, but you can't because no, nobody values that important work. <laughs> no. no, absolutely not. Um, and when I was when I was an elementary school teacher. I taught what was then called EI kids, emotionally impaired, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been, I mean, but you know that was right. a lot of years ago, right? Um, <laughs> right. And those are those are definitely kids who today would have been diagnosed as being on the spectrum, on the spectrum, or as having or, mood dysregulation, yeah. ADHD with emotional dysregulation, etc. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so just watching and, and trying to kind of work with this on a regular basis as a 22-year-old kid, because <laughs> I was a 22-year-old kid, you know, fresh out of college, mm-hmm. you know, yep. was, was interesting to say the very least. And, and, you know, and part of the, and part of the reason that 
it has always been so interesting to me in terms of looking at what goes on and thinking about what goes on and thinking about ways, um, you know, even 20 odd years ago of, of, of how to, how to help these children manage. Right. Well, right. Uh, the, the last episode we did with NeuroCurious was on neuromyths. We haven't posted it yet because we keep having audio issues, but but when we do post it, one of the things that is that came out with it is these ideas that well, you know, brain development is you know zero through three years, and then after that you're done. It's bullshit, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, early intervention is super helpful, right? But the idea that kids who don't get sufficient early intervention are screwed is not true. It is just not true, and we have to have an idea of how do we interact with kids with neurodevelopmental differences and support them and to help them feel competent, mm -hmm. right, and support their mm -hmm. strengths while figuring out what areas they need assistance with in, in terms of scaffolding, right, that that's super important. And it's entirely possible, right? Mm -hmm. So I've mm -hmm. seen kids who are early teenagers who were never properly whatever diagnosed or given interventions and once they kind of sort out what's going on with them and you give them some tools they're good right like they can use it and mm -hmm. so this idea that we have these people who we can just cast off because they haven't received proper intervention at a certain age it, I, I think is lazy mm -hmm. Brains change throughout the course of development, throughout life. Yeah. And yeah. everything I mean, changes I mean, your brain. Like, literally, these people are talking about, oh, oh, my God, everything. Look, oh, watching, you know, using the Internet changes your brain. I'm sorry, <laughs> lifting up this cup of coffee changes your brain. Everything changes your brain. So, you know, this this alarmist stuff about what changes your brain is is bullshit, and it's also used to control people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no, problematic. It's extremely right, extremely problematic, right? I mean, and and I mean, we're we're you don't have to come back on to talk about this again, apparently, because there's oh, so I much. Will. I mean, you can just have me. I mean, honestly, you can put me on your background thing as somebody to show up every week, because you know I'll. Just... <laughs> You know, I'll just talk, blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, because interestingly enough, like, we're talking about brains changing, mm -hmm. um, is that, you know, the way even that um, folks talk about and think about, and the studies that have been done with older people oh my with God. Alzheimer's yes. Yes, and, indeed. and video games, right? It's like, oh, like uh, yes. this is the thing. My mother is. I'm, I'm, she's gonna be mad. I'm telling her age on the internet. Um, <laughs> my mother is is seventy six. Mm -hmm. Is she seventy six? Yes, mother seventy six. Better be right about that, or you're gonna pay. I know. My mother is seventy six, right? So, and one of the things, and she's not, uh, she's not exuding any signs of, of Alzheimer's or anything. Right. Uh, but but one of the things that you know I did early on is my kid, she all on her own, um, picked up a picked up my DS when mm -hmm. I put it down. Um uh, she was she was 
15 or 16 months old. Wow. Uh, and I went to the bathroom and I came back and I had left my DS on the, um, on the couch and I came back and she had the stylus in her hand mm-hmm. and she was leading the little character across the screen. Cause just from watching me, yep. she figured it out. Yep. Um, and, and that was, that was at the point I was like, well, I guess you're old enough. <laughs> like, right. Right. Uh, and like, she was like 15 or 16 months old at the time. She's, and it's the cutest thing. I have this picture. She's the cutest thing in the entire world. Just this, these little cute chubby toe haired kid with like a DS in her hand. Right. Um, but my mother never played video games. Um, and have never exhibited any interest in playing games. But when more and more studies started to come out that talked about neural pathways that's staving off Alzheimer's um, by learning new skills, something that is distinctly new from anything else you've done before. Right. I was like, okay, new so how do we get important? Right. Yes. I was like, how do we get Nan how do we get Nana to play video games? Okay. How do we get Nana so, to play video games? We deal. give her something that she can play with her granddaughter. Right. And also um, so one, the biggest factor to um, guard against neurodegeneration is physical exercise. Just FYI, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, a physical exercise, um, getting her out, moving about. Um, does yeah. she have a Wii or Connect or any of that stuff? She does not, but she move. She she does move around a lot. She's Good. constantly on the go. Okay. Um, thankfully. That's good. Yeah. Um, there's also, so I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. I've retweeted it a bunch. But Sea um, Hero, which is a, a video game that looks at, it's basically gathering information about um, neurological function and helping to make a database about um, neurodegenerative issues. So mm-hmm. playing that would be useful. Mm. Um, sea hero, like sea, like sea, the ocean. Yeah, sea. yeah, sea hero. Um, okay. It's it's super useful, and and it's it's accelerated. I'm like blanking on. I feel I think it's Hugo Spires who does it. I've posted it a bunch of times, and I'm totally blanking out because I've had too many beers. Um, <laughs> but but I think there's a lot being done in terms of games and both neurodevelopment and staving off neurodegeneration. Um, but physical activity seems to be the one thing that is the most important. Hmm. So now I'm going to have to buy my mom like a Wii for Christmas. <laughs> my mom's going to open it and she's going to be like, what is this? You <laughs> could do that. that. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Um, like I said, you're going to have to come back and talk to us because there's so much to talk about. Um, in, in my opinion, of course, and of course, I love you guys. So I will come talk with Yay. you anytime about anything because you know I like yeah. to talk and I like your company and I like to drink. So. We like all those things. Right. <laughs> we love those things. Exactly. <laughs> so we won't keep you longer because we've been talking for like two and a half hours. And it's, it's just flown. It's just flown. <laughs> what can I say? 
Any last minute things you want to mention or are we done? Uh, I think we've covered a lot. Like I said, there's so much to cover. We can there's come a back. lot here, yeah. Yeah, there's we can, there's so much to come back and talk talk more about. Um, lots so, to yeah. unpack. Lots to unpack. Lots, lots, mm-hmm. absolutely. But thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's been a blast. Oh, we, it's my pleasure. I you know, I I am anytime I can talk with you guys, I'll do it. So, yay, yay. <laughs> So that, I guess, is a great segue, and it will bring us to the end of episode 127. Woo! That's yeah. a lot of episodes, man. Yeah. That is a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, that brings us to the end of episode 127, and so until episode 128, which will come up before you know it. Um, there are all kinds of things to remember. Three of the important things to remember. Stay warm. Stay dry because it's cold and rainy here. And as always, my friends, game on. Game on. Game on.